Some people have some crazy ideas about giving. Some refuse to give. Or claim that they can't, but they will soon. Others give in the hope that they will get more money, or more influence in what happens, or even the praise of others. But in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught his followers to give in a different kind of way. So we're going to look at this this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 4. Just understand how Jesus wants us to give. Let's read it together. Again, these are the words of Jesus. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. As we've seen over the past few weeks, Jesus revealed the true standard of God's righteousness. This was different from the external and the formal legalism of the Pharisees. Instead, it was about a passionate and wholehearted love for God and a selfless love for other people. But this standard is so high that we could never reach it ourselves. And so Jesus has revealed God's holiness to us so that we could, be, we could accurately recognise our own sinfulness and accept his mercy and his grace. And then, as his forgiven followers, we could go on and live this new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So whatever... What what matters most to God is not an outward conformity to rules or ritual or religion. But it's a heart that loves Him and that loves others. But none of this means that it doesn't matter what we do with our lives. The heart of love for God and for others should be lived out, should be expressed in what Jesus calls here our act of righteousness. This is about our lifestyle as followers of Jesus. How we express our faith in Jesus. And it's important for, our, for the world to see our faith lived out in our everyday lives. Earlier in this sermon, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We are to shine the light of Christ into the hearts and minds of those around us through living actively and visibly for Jesus. When people see our faith lived out and our love expressed, they'll be drawn to praise the one who loved us and saved us and changed us. But Jesus teaches here in Matthew 6 
that it's absolutely crucial that we don't do these things to be seen by other people. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. In verse 1. Now at first glance, that seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? How can Jesus say, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds, but also say, don't do these good deeds before men in order for them to see them? Well, I think the solution is that Jesus is, is, is addressing two separate problems, two separate temptations that can be in our lives. When Jesus spoke about being a light to the world, he was challenging us not to be so afraid that we hide who we are and who we live for. But when Jesus spoke about here doing things not to be seen by other people, he was challenging us not to be so proud that we show off in front of others. Someone summed it up like this. When we are, temp- we are, we are to show, when we are tempted to hide. And we're hi- we are to hide when we are tempted to show. So this section here is not about us being secret disciples. That obviously isn't what God wants for us. What it is, is about being sincere disciples. Jesus wants us to be different from the hypocrites. In classical Greek, the the hypocrites were actors on a stage. They put on a mask, stepped into character, and played a part that wasn't them. They were experts in pretending to be something that they were not. Now that's fine for stage or film. But it's not for real life. To do that in real life is about deceiving people. It's about trying to make people believe that we are different from who we really are. It's about being false. about being fake. It's about being counterfeit. And Jesus was very strong in his condemnation of the Pharisees for doing this. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. They acted the part of being pious, holy, godly men. But in reality, they were just as selfish, just as self-centered as the very people that they condemned and they despised. They were just putting on an act just so they would get the praise of other people. And so Jesus wants his followers to be different. Not because we are perfectly sinless. Because after all, a key part of our message is, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Only sinners can be accepted into into God's family. Only sinners can come and and be part of of Jesus' kingdom community. Instead, Jesus wants us to be sincere. He wants us to be sincere authentic, to be real, to be true to ourselves. 
So that what people see is not some religious act that is done to show off in front of them. But instead what they see is an overflow of our hearts. It's in love with God. And it loves other people. Then in this chapter Jesus will apply these principles to the area of praying and of fasting. But as we've read here, first of all, Jesus first of all applied it to the area of giving. He says in verse 2, when you give to the needy. When you give to the needy. Jesus here assumes that his followers will give. He didn't say if you give, he says when you will give. So it's an assumption that he expects his followers to, to give. He expects giving to be a key part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's because there are people who are in desperate need in this world. They are living in poverty, in hunger, in sickness, in oppression and in neglect. If we just open up our eyes then we'll see people all around us who are in need. Not just financial need but also emotional, relational and of course spiritual need. And this is what love does. Love opens up our eyes to the world around us. It opens up our hearts to the people who are in need. And it opens up our wallets to help those people. This is what John says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? If as followers of Jesus we love God with all of our hearts and love our neighbour as ourselves, then giving to those in need should be an integral part of our lives. It was Amy Carmichael who in the early 20th century worked in India to rescue young girls from forced prostitution who said this, you can give without loving but you cannot love without giving. So why should we give? Because of the suffering that's in this world. Because of the love that's in our hearts. But we should also give because of our experience of God's grace in our lives. As followers of Jesus, we recognize that every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Whatever our circumstances, we know that everything that we are and everything that we have has been given to us because of God's amazing grace. The food that we eat, the clothes that we wear, our homes, our transport, our health, our families, our education, our abilities, and of course most of all our salvation. We are God's children this morning because out of His unconditional love, God gave His own Son for us. And so John wrote, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As God's children, we are called to respond to His loving gifts by giving to other people. And I think this also helps us to know how much we should give. 
Now, some Christians believe that we should follow the example of the, the Old Testament believers, the people of Israel, in giving a tenth back to God. That's what the world word comes from, a tithe. So Leviticus chapter 27 in 30 says, A tithe, a tenth, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. This money in Israel was used to support the Levites, who were serving God, and to provide for the poor and the needy in the community. But the New Testament doesn't teach, it doesn't apply this principle to the church. And so at best, the principle of a tenth is no more than a helpful guide. But we shouldn't take it as a rule. Jesus said to his disciples, freely you have received. Freely give. And so if we give in response to the suffering of those people around us, if we give out of the love that God has poured into our hearts through His Spirit, and if we give in response to the depth of God's grace that He has lavished on us, then how can we put limits on our giving? How could we ever say, oh, we've given enough? So we should be characterized by a depth of generosity that goes beyond percentages or duty. Instead, Jesus calls us to give and to give and to give, to give sacrificially. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So the New Testament doesn't teach us how much to give as a percentage or an amount. It teaches us the principle behind it. The attitude, the motivation behind it that should motivate us to keep on giving. But if we're going to give out of compassion for those in need and gratitude for all that God has given to us, then we need to give in a way that is different from other people around us. And especially different from the hypocrites. Jesus said, verse 2 of chapter 6, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, on the, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. Now, nobody is absolutely sure whether they, anybody actually literally did this or not. Whether they got a trumpet and blew their own trumpet, so to speak. So it might be a play in words. Maybe because the charity boxes were often shaped like trumpets. So maybe Jesus is being a little bit clever in his choice of words here. But Jesus was clear about the motives of these very public givers. They gave in order to be seen to give. They were playing the part of being generous, big-hearted and compassionate. But they weren't being genuine. Their motivation was not a concern for the poor. Their driving force was not love for others. They were not giving out of gratitude for all that God had given to them. Instead, their motivation was to be honoured by men. They longed for the respect and the praise of others. And as a result... That's all they got. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. 
In the end, for all of their efforts and all of their performance, all they got was an empty cheer or a fleeting pat on the back. They made their choice. They loved praise from men more than praise from God. So that's all they got. And it wasn't worth very much. Because they tricked people into thinking highly of them. So it wasn't genuine respect. And it wasn't genuine honour they received. So Jesus doesn't want us to be like that. He says, but when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now I don't think Jesus means this literally. I don't think it's possible to do this literally. He doesn't expect us to give without knowing what we're doing. But his meaning is clear, isn't it? So that your giving may be done in secret. So whether we give in our offering box at the back of our church, or through standing order, bank to bank transfer, or whether we give to other charities or to other individuals in need, Jesus wants us to do this so privately, so that not only will other people not see it, so they could congratulate us, but in a sense, we won't even keep a kind of mental note of it in our, in our minds, so we can't even congratulate ourselves. And this secrecy will help us to avoid the temptation of hypocrisy and help us to give out of sincere motives. When we remove the possibility of other people praising us for, the, for our giving or even remove the possibility of us praising ourselves, then we can give out of those sincere motives, out of love for others and gratitude for all that God has given to us. But of course, no matter how careful we are, one person will always see what we're doing. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When we give in the right way, nobody else will see what we're doing. But God will. And he will reward our service. Now, some people, they rebel against this idea of reward in Jesus' teaching. They say, well, doesn't this contaminate our motives? Doesn't it encourage us to, to give so that we'll get? Doesn't it feed into that prosperity theology that says you will get rich if you really give yourself to God and are committed to Christ? But those things are only possible if we misinterpret what Jesus is saying here. This will not corrupt our motives if we remember that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God isn't fooled when we give larger, large amounts of money out of selfish or self-centered motives. He will not reward our giving if it's devoid of love. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. So when we give with only God as our audience who sees our hearts, who sees our motivation, who sees our real intention, 
And this encourages us to give out of sincere motives. Neither does this feed into the prosperity theology that says if we give our money away, God will give us far more. Of course, God can prosper our business or our individual finances. And many wealthy Christians have contributed greatly and played key roles in financing God's, God's work in this world. So God can increase our income so we can give more. But God doesn't promise to financially make us rich if we obey him. As we saw in Paul's letter to Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's God's goal for our lives. He doesn't want us to be seeking after more and more of that money. Instead, he wants us to be content with what we have. And the Apostle Paul lived that out. He said this, he wrote this to the church in Philippi. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or want. And later on in this sermon in, in Matthew 6. Jesus will call us to find our treasure. Not in earthly things. But in heavenly things. And so the reward that Jesus is speaking about here is not a financial one. Instead it's one that's consistent with genuine compassionate giving. It could include the delight in seeing the needs of other people met. When the hungry are fed, when the sick are are healed, when the lonely are comforted, when the lost are saved. We are blessed. We are rewarded with that sense of joy of being able to help out other people. As Jesus said in Acts, as recorded in Acts, that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It could include increased opportunities to serve. Jesus rewards service with more opportunities for service and to give to to meet the needs of other people. I think it will definitely include increased freedom from the temptation of materialism and being drawn into that love of money that can destroy our lives. As we give, it's kind of like helping us to become more immune to that temptation as we give away the money in order for other other more important things. But it will also include the real joy Of hearing our Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And knowing that we have brought honour and glory and pleasure to the one who loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. That's a reward that's in keeping with the, the sincere and genuine giving that Jesus is asking us for here. So let's not be like the play actors who give to show off and earn the the short term acclaim of other people and nothing more. Instead let's give generously consistently and privately out of sincere love for other people in need and gratitude for all that God has given to us. 
knowing that no matter how small our giving seems, God sees it. God values it. And God will reward it. And he will work through it to change people's lives and to build his kingdom.